Hi, everybody. This is Mrs. Roseman. Welcome back for Chapter 2, Biological Psychology. So along with cognitive psychology, this is my field of expertise. You read a lot about different subfields of psychology last week. Try to recall here biological psychology. So the theme for this week is that everything psychological is ultimately biological. Every thought, feeling, and behavior, even the thoughts that are running through your head right this minute, are made possible by activity in the brain. By understanding more about the brain, we can understand more about the human experience. So last week, um, or in chapter one, you learned a specific skill, which was how to learn. You review the science behind active learning and memory. This week, check out how active learning changes the brain. Believe it or not, every time you learn something new, you strengthen connections in your brain. You really get more closely connected. Um, the synapse between neurons gets more closely connected. Thinking about how we learn, very meta. It's also important to understand this week that our brains are flexible and adaptive. This is part of what makes us human and able to learn throughout our lifetimes. Okay, so we're going to take a quick minute and zoom out before we consider brain plasticity. All right, so the nervous system is the name for the super highway of nerve cells that run throughout your brain and body. Let's take the central nervous system. This is made of the brain and spinal cord. And really, if you think about it, it's in the exact middle or center of your body. The central nervous system processes information, um, and then the peripheral nervous system helps us to collect and respond to information. The peripheral nervous system is made of all the nerves that lie outside of the brain and spinal cord. So this whole nervous system is designed for communication, every piece of it. Nerve cells take in sensory information, light and sound. Uh, nerve cells in the brain and spinal cord process that information, and then we can make a response. In this very moment, for example, your auditory nerves are taking in sound. They're passing that information to um, regions of your brain, um, like the temporal cortex, and then um, you can respond, say, by pausing the audio if you need a minute to let this sink in. This is a good time to give a shout out to our nervous system for allowing us to think, feel, and do everything that we do. So a question for you, now that we've really thought about the purpose and design of the nervous system, is your brain, this collection of nerve cells that helps to process information, is it relatively fixed and unchanging? Or relatively flexible and capable of change. Why do you think so? A couple of key terms that might be helpful as you think about this idea. Uh, one is neuroplasticity. This is the neural change that can happen through learning and experiences, also injury, drug use. The brain you were born with is not the brain you will die with, and this is an important understanding. Another key term you might have heard thrown around in there is neurogenesis. This means actually growing new neurons. You'll read a little bit more in chapter two about what types of activities actually help us to grow new neurons even into old age. So, speaking of neuroplasticity and the brain, um, I have a quick story for you. 
So connecting back to chapter one, this story is ultimately a case study. Remember the strengths of case studies. You can learn lots of information, but also the limitation. Uh, the major limitation is that the results of case studies can't be generalized to the wider population because the sample size is so small and results you see may be specific to that individual. But we can learn a lot from case studies. For a long time, people didn't understand just how important the brain is or what it does. But one of the ways they first started learning was by asking about the lives of people who had become injured. So how did these people change after their brain injury? Have you ever heard of Phineas Gage? Phineas Gage, oh, he's so famous and infamous. He was and still is a legend in neuroscience. Phineas Gage was a foreman on a railway crew around the 1850s. Um, he was using a tamping iron to pack down um, some explosive powders and materials, but unfortunately, due to a malfunction, accident, the iron rod ended up exploding through the left side of his head, his skull, and out the other side. Miraculously, he lived, at least for a short time. You'll have to read more about that. But perhaps even more miraculously, he was soon able to walk, talk, um, perform basic functions, even remember what was happening. And this was one of the first kind of hints to the idea that neuroscientists now understand well. You can injure one portion of the brain and leave other portions intact. Similarly, each brain region has some separate but related functions. So you can injure one part of the brain and interrupt one function, like walking, but leave other healthy functions alone, like talking, right? So Phineas Gage, really famously, the case study of Phineas Gage, helped us to learn about a traumatic brain injury to the frontal lobe. If you point like right center of your forehead, right behind it, you've got that prefrontal cortex, that forwardmost part of our frontal lobe. And it turns out this part of the brain helps to regulate everything from personality to our um, to our emotions and how we handle relationships in the social world. So if you read a little bit more about the story of Phineas Gage, you'll see that people thought he was a changed man um, after this accident. Nowadays, we don't have to wait for brain injuries to happen to wonder what is actually going on. You'll learn about a lot of different brain imaging tools where we can really understand in real time how different parts of the brain work together to help us do everything that we do, right? Um, so just to kind of get you organized, um, this week in chapter two, you'll answer questions like how do parts of the brain work separately and together to allow us to function, to think, feel, and behave? How does the brain communicate with the body via this nervous system, this massive information highway? Communication is key. You'll learn about how parts of the neuron function. And then how do nature and nurture affect your brain? Think about what you're born with, your genetics, your biology that's relatively set in stone. And then think about nurture pieces, your learning experiences and environment. A quick tip here. Many people become intimidated by this information. Please don't let regions of the brain or anatomy intimidate you. Many of my past students will say, particularly when it comes to this chapter, you should color, you should draw, create visuals, even check out um, some of the additional practice materials, creating analogies 
that will help information stick with you in memory. Enjoy. Thank you.